Oh, good morning, everybody. Hope you're having a good day and you got a big old cup of coffee so we can get in and talk about things. Going to be going through the top 10 trending articles in the crypto space. And as always, thank you to all those who have liked, subscribed, commented. You have no idea how much it means to me. I know I might sound like a broken record with it, but I really, 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 really do appreciate everything you guys have done. Uh, before we get in, I just want to take a moment and talk about this little image I got up here on the screen. Found this roaming through YouTube last night, one of many. It's a lovely picture of Cointelegraph's interpretation of Charles Hoskinson advertising a hundred million ADA giveaway. It's live. And if you look all the way down there, it's got the little verified check mark next to it. So seriously, keep an eye on these things. It's pretty, uh, they're getting pretty advanced. I don't like them. I saw like three ads and three live streams last night. It's getting a little nuts out there. So, all right. But hey, that leads me into the first article anyways. We gotta talk about Cardano. So, Cardano has had a great year if you haven't been paying attention, and the token reflects it. Since the beginning of this year, the cryptocurrency has jumped about 400%, and since its fall in March, when we had that lovely crash, nearly 800%. Um, Cardano's rally could be prolonged in the short term as well, driven by the launch of the Shelly mainnet and investors staking profits Furthermore, the data from Into the Block shows there is little resistance for ADA to reach 14.6 cents. Um, yeah, in that range, about 2,000 addresses had bought 84.33 million ADA. Pretty cool. Uh, Into the Block also pointed out that 75%, and this is the big one, 75% of the addresses that hold ADA are currently profitable. So that means three-fourths of users who own Cardano are in the green. That is awesome. If you hold Cardano, I hope you're in that uh, three-fourths. I only just became profitable a short time ago myself, so I'm pretty happy about that. Um, bam. But hey, you know, the uh, Neek altcoin trader Patel expressed his opinion, saying if we get close Above 14%, 14 cents on the daily, I'd expect the rally to continue towards the 20 cent area. Uh, other analysts aren't agreeing with the outlook. According to Crypto Dude, Cardano was rejected twice on the weekly chart range between 13 and 14 cents. In addition, the analyst points out the RSI for the last seven days has reached an overbought level. Um, yeah, so here's the thing. Cardano's going up. Staking's going to drive it up. Shelly's going to drive it up. Of course, these are my opinions. I'm not a licensed financial advisor. Do not take anything I say as gospel or even a good opinion. But it's going to go up. I, I truly believe it's going to go up. I'm very excited for the future of this coin. Uh, we're supposedly getting the hard fork on the 29th of June, so that's starting to approach. So I expect to see a little bit of pullback in the midterm because uh, Cardano is a little bit overbought. But... As that hard fork gets closer and they start announcing what it's going to take and all these different things, we can expect the excitement to ratchet things up. I'm very hopeful for the 20 cent mark, especially as staking kicks in and people realize just how much everyone is locking up. I foresee some insane Cardano rally. It's today 20 cents. Ooh, I'm going to call right now. We're going to have about 50. About 50 cents. 
Now, is it going to be a sustainable 50 cents? No, but we might have that spike. So, yeah. But, hey, pretty cool for them. And also, got some interesting Zillica news. So, yeah, Binance USD is coming to Zillica. So, uh, adding Binance USD to Zillica will involve building an interoperability bridge between Ethereum and the Zillica chain, allowing ERC-20 tokens to be moved from one chain to another. It's pretty interesting. And they're saying they're making progress. Um, hey, good for them. Be able to add the stablecoin Binance USD to the network for the first time. It's it's some real movement for this coin. Very good. So for those of you who don't know, Zillica is an enterprise-level blockchain platform uh, in collaboration with Switcheroo, a decentralized exchange that will be in charge of creating a bridge between Ethereum and the Zillica chain in order to bring ERC-20-BUSD stablecoin to Zillica and circulate as ZRC-2BUSD. So this stablecoin will be issued in partnership with the Paxos Trust Company. It will be regulated by the New York Department of Financial Services and audited monthly. Notably, the stablecoin is backed by a $1-to-$1 coin, and the funds are held in U.S. banks. So the Chief Compliance Officer of Binance, Samuel Lim, said the Zillica blockchain has been pushing for innovations. Binance is one of the first trading platforms to support its innovative staked seed node service. This time we are working together to introduce Binance USD to the Zillica blockchain. So it's not just Zillica developing. This Binance is actually actively assisting them with it, which may seem like something that should be obvious given the coin they chose to back, but it's still pretty good to get official confirmation. So Amrit Kumar, President and Chief Science Officer at Zillica, stated this collaboration with Binance and Switcheroo provides an unprecedented opportunity to pioneer the future of open finance for the region with opportunities across trade, finance, security token exchanges, and business-to-business cross-border settlements. Pretty darn good. So he's they're all pretty happy of it. Switcheroos, please. Zillica's, please. Binance's, please. Everyone's happy. Everyone's uh ecstatic all that fun stuff so everything's you know rainbows and roses and we'll all be happy this is going to take a lot of work for them to do but if they can do it it's actually going to bring a lot of features to zillica as i'm about to talk about so the bridge will connect ethereum and the zillica blockchain in a bi-directional manner it will not be just limited to enabling busd functionality but also extends to other ERC-20-like tokens built on Zillica and Ethereum blockchains. So, USD tokens, once moved from the Ethereum chain, will take the form of ZRC2 tokens on Zillica. B, or sorry, ZBUSD holders will benefit from the speed and low transaction fees on the Zillica chain. Holders will be able to move from one chain to another at any point in time, and they're expecting it to go live on the Zillica blockchain, according to reports as of Q4 of 2020. That's probably the most interesting part of this article, in my opinion. It's not going to be just be USD that it looks like they'll be doing. It looks like once they get this up and running, they should be able to modify it and upgrade it to do other ERC-20 tokens on Zillica. And that's going to be the interesting part. Because if you can have it on both, and Zillica's a little bit faster... Why not uh, move your stuff over to Zillica for a little bit? You know, see what Ethereum's got to do. It could really, really lead to some uptick in usage for Zillica. And all I can say is uh, good for them. 
really good for them. I do think this is uh, pretty good, and I'm excited to see what this brings. Alrighty. Well, hey, let's jump over. IOTA's in the news a little bit. A um, couple different things. So the Aachen-based company, Sensering GmbH, which relies on the IOTA Tangle technology as part of the My Data Economy platform, was awarded Startup of the Month, good for them, by the Digital Economy NRW Initiative of the German Federal State of North Rhine-Westphalia. Boy, that's getting real specific, isn't it? Um, also known as the DWNRW, dear Lord, 12 finalists have been determined and will complete for a prize money of 50,000 euros by the by uh, September the 2nd. So it looks like uh, this GMBH, which relies on the IOTA Tangle, was nominated by uh, <laughs> North Rhine-Westphalia, and it looks like they've got all sorts of different companies here for this digital um, thing. So that way they can move. It's in German. My German is non-existent. Oh, man, we got Dortmund, GmbH. So good for them. I'm really interested to see what that can bring. So this digital economy NRW is an initiative of the state government of North Rhine-Westphalia to establish the federal state as a digital location. So that's kind of why they're doing this little contest thing. In the future, the state intends to provide increased support for digital startups and spinoffs, thereby increasing the attractiveness of digital startups and spinoffs and building a nationally and internationally outstanding startup scene. Good for them trying to attract some, you know, world-class enterprise-level blockchains to their space, some developers. Very good. Uh, I can only see this as a positive move for North Rhine-Westphalia, and they don't really have too much to lose, so eh, there we go. Also in this article I wanted to talk about, the IOTA Hornet node is now a part of the Amazon AWS, so Amazon Web Services market space. So the foundation announced this Hornet node is now a part. Thus, it is now even easier to set up and operate a lightweight node. Amazon's wow price is point uh, is 4.6 cents USD per hour. If you pay in advance for more than 12 months, your price can get reduced down to three cents or two cents an hour. Not too bad. According to a community member, DigitalOcean also offers IOTA Hornet node. However, it was not the only it was not only positive feedback within the Twitter community. Some users remarked it's not a good thing if a project that wants to decentralize the world relies on a monopoly, Amazon. I agree with that, but at the same time, well they want to decentralize the world, Amazon allows them to access a much bigger customer base. And that's probably what they're going with here. Sometimes you got to get into the system to change the system. That's my personal opinion. You can feel free to disagree with me all you want. And that's probably, you got probably some valid arguments. Like, I'm not going to uh, argue about it too much, but my personal opinion is this is not a bad thing. It's not a great thing. It's not a horrible thing. It, But it does allow more people to have access to run an IOTA Hornet node if they wish. And that is good for IOTA's network, just like this contest is. And what's good for the network will help 
you know, fund future development projects, which will lead to benefits for us all. So, yeah, not the greatest, not the worst, but it shows some movement, and that's pretty good. All right, let's jump over to number four then. So, I clicked on this article because uh, fairness is, uh, yeah, it's, it's a thing. Um, so, I'm going to talk about this article. I really like the last line of it, and we'll talk about that. So, obviously, DeFi's had some massive growth in the past three months, and they've also seen a big increase in the number of what they call super users who are dominating the sector. Uh, now, super users are defined with users over 100 transactions. This jumped up 20% in three months. Uh, Uniswap grew 50% in Q2 and has 1,625 of these so-called users, super users. Uh, Kyber has about 900. Compound's got about 367. And then Maker, Augur, and Bancor's got about 300. So it's shown there's about 2,000 of them. So the report defines super users as individuals who use DeFi platforms to a more consistent and robust degree. Super users are likely to be those with more money to invest and those seeking quick returns and arbitrage opportunities or flash loans. Uh, regular users by contact, contrast make just a few transactions and usually leave their crypto locked up as collateral to take advantage of the interest and token distribution incentives. Skyrocketing Ethereum network fees recently may also put off regular users from making transactions as fees cut into a greater share of their profits. So then the question becomes, is DeFi really fair or open? So the dominance of super users in DeFi raises questions of fairness. Synthetics founder Kane Warwick touched on this issue in a series of tweets yesterday, suggesting a fair and efficient market could lead to unfair seeming results. So, something that comes up frequently and fairly regularly in the Synthetics Discord is that the concept of efficiency and openness versus fairness. If a system is designed such that it is totally open, then players, ergo liquidation bots, with a pre-existing advantage will dominate. Is that fair? Um, and ultimately he concluded, and this is what um, the takeaway from this article is in my opinion, many people associate fairness with equal outcomes but efficient systems actually have a tendency to increase inequality. He noted they favor the dominant players. And I think that's true. Uh, you only have to look at Amazon for a real-life case study. We just talked about them. They're basically a monopoly. They have completely taken over the digital market space in terms of goods and services. Yeah, others exist, and they, they're trying to do things like Walmart, has a pretty robust platform, Target has a robust platform, but nothing even close to the operation that Amazon is running. It was a fair market. Amazon saw an opportunity, saw an edge. You know, you can criticize Jeff Bezos all you want, and please do. He is not the greatest human being I've ever seen in my life, but he found a loophole and he exploited it and exploited it and exploited it and exploited it to the point that he is now the richest man on the planet. I don't think he's got crassus beat for richest man of all time, but he's getting there at the rate he's going. But yeah, you know, he came up in the United States economy, which for the most part is a pretty open and fair system, pretty unregulated compared to a lot of other countries, pretty overly regulated compared to a lot of others. So yeah, a little potato potato there, but it's a pretty open and fair system. And in these open and fair systems, people who have an edge, i.e. 
ergo people who can buy bots or people who've done the research and really looked into it and know how to maximize the profits, they're going to do better. And that's just, you know, something we're going to have to live with as the economy around DeFi grows. It's not a bad thing. Hopefully it takes a lot of people and turns them into self-made millionaires. I really do hope so. What I hope it doesn't do is take a lot of lazy millionaires and turn them into hundred millionaires or billionaires because they can buy their way in. That's what I don't like. I don't like lazy people just using their money to jump the line. But I do like the idea of someone in a basement like me doing this right now, eventually becoming a millionaire because of this growing DeFi platform. Um, I hope that's the case for a lot of people. So let's hop over and talk about Travala.com. Its bookings have skyrocketed 68% and its revenue increased by 75%, 75% in just two weeks after partnering up with Expedia. Dear Lord. They're also seeing a sharp increase in the number of bookings paid with cryptos, particularly in the native AVA token as the preferred crypto payment option after Bitcoin, from 59% of the total bookings in June paid with cryptocurrencies to almost 70% so far in July following this recent partnership. Ooh, very nice. So, Travala CEO Ortega believes that Expedia's partnership is a significant growth factor in Travala.com's pace. He explained, The easing of travel restrictions has definitely impacted our recovery. However, the acceleration of growth we're witnessing since the partnership with Expedia is significant. As we partner with more leading travel suppliers like Expedia, the Travala.com platform becomes more and more competitive. And he also did state that they're in talks with several other major potential business partners. Now, a lot to talk about in this article other than awesome for Travala. Very good. This, you know, being able to use your crypto that you've been holding since 2013 and has ideally increased 100 times fold for you, you can then spend just a, a small portion of it to go on a vacation and treat yourself. Ain't nothing wrong with that. This is pretty good for them, too. I'm really happy for Travala.com. I'm very much looking forward to what other exchanges they're able to partner with. I'm sorry, not exchanges, booking websites they're able to partner with. And uh, maybe, you know, in 2025, when all my investments have made me a hundred millionaire, pff, um, I'll be able to cash out a little bit and take a nice dream vacation with the wife, head to Fiji or something like that. But hey, we can all dream, can't we? Alrighty, well that takes us already halfway there. Oh, stand up, do a stretch. Oh man, and then let's jump in and talk about the next thing. Alright, hopping on over. Experts are worried a little bit about the SEC messing with DeFi, especially after what they did to our poor boy, the ICO. So, the SEC and the CFTC have announced they've issued fines to Abra, a cryptocurrency company that lets users trade tokenized versions of stocks and foreign currencies. This could mean that regulators are about to crack down on decentralized finance, say the experts. Okay, so, for those of you who kind of want to know what in the world happened with Abra, they were trading uh, tokenized versions of stocks that weren't actually backed by the stocks themselves. However, the tokens just represented the stocks. They were similar enough to the real thing that they constituted securities according to the SEC and CFTC. This meant that 
the uh, ABRA was breaking the law by offering them to U.S. customers without taking measures to ensure they were eligible contract participants. Uh, the CFTC doubled down on this argument, saying that it didn't matter that ABRA executed trades through its Filipino subsidiary and eventually told U.S. customers to stay away. A California team designed it, marketed it to sites frequented by U.S. customers, and did not verify whether its customers were American or not. And the government bodies fined ABRA $150,000 apiece. So 300 k in fines for ABRA as a result of this. Woo! That's a bit rough. Hopefully Abra can recover. I think they'll be okay. So legal experts and crypto industry insiders told Decrypt, the website where I'm talking about this article from, that regulators may be poised to crack down on decentralized finance or DeFi, the multi-billion dollar industry composed of companies offering non-custodial financial services such as cheap loans, tokenized stocks, or algorithmically controlled stable coins to anyone brave enough to invest their money in smart contracts. And Abra's fine is evidence that regulators are starting to take note of the quickly growing industry. As market forces push DeFi out of relative obscurity, regulatory agencies will take notice and take action against companies that break the law. It's literally in their job description, says Josh Garcia, a partner at Kestel, a law firm, Ketzel, a law firm where it specializes in crypto regulation. And he says, we've been here before. When the ICO industry raised billions of dollars, alarm bells went off at the SEC, even if it didn't immediately take action. However, ooh, however, over the last two years, it has since forced companies to return hundreds of millions of dollars to investors and put entire companies out of business. Garcia also stated, I expect nothing but more inquiries, investigations, and regulatory actions going forward. This is actually a pretty long article, so if you want to learn a little bit more, check it out in the description down below. I actually really like Decrypt. They... Um, they publish a lot of really good articles. I really like them. But yeah, so they're worried that DeFi could be hit with some regulations. Um, one of the counters to this is you got to make it so decentralized, they don't know who to yell at. But at the same time, a regulator could say, hey, this decentralized exchange is not complying. And so if you're in the US, you can't use it. I could see them trying to say it. Now, <laughs> how they'll be able to police it, especially after this next article I'm about to talk to you about. I'm not sure, but they can try. But that's why decentralized finance needs to become truly decentralized and not just this quasi-decentralized thing that we're working towards, but most are still kind of technically central as they get this infrastructure off the ground, stuff like that. But we'll see where it goes. But hey, hopping over, this is the article I'm talking about. The use of Bitcoin mixing services rise 2,100%. According to a report published yesterday by Crystal Blockchain, a research branch of the mining company Bitfury. For those of you who don't know, you can send Bitcoin to one of these mixing services. It will mix it up with other Bitcoin in there and spit out the equivalent amount that you put in into a different wallet, the same wallet, whatever you want but what it does is it definitely obscures where that Bitcoin came from essentially giving you um, some freshly laundered Bitcoin money so they're saying that this incredible increase is likely in response to the article we talked about previously um, and other things like it 
the increased regulation and verification processes for exchanges, uh, leading darknet Bitcoin owners towards other services to obfuscate the source of their coins. This indicates a rapid adoption of crypto mixing services by darknet entities. These users also sent far less Bitcoin directly to exchanges that have such verification requirements. It's possible that some of the Bitcoin sent to mixing services was then transferred to these exchanges, but it's hard to tell because it's ob obfuscated by design. So exchanges with verification requirement, sorry, notably the amount of Bitcoin sent from exchanges with verification requirements to the darknet doubled in the same time frame to almost 75 million. This shows that users are far more concerned about sending illicitly gained Bitcoin to exchanges without hiding their origins rather than sending Bitcoin to the ex from exchanges to the darknet. And this obviously is a response to increased security and scrutiny of the exchanges, which are increasing their focus on blockchain analytics services, which track the movement of Bitcoin and are designed to catch criminals. Recently, Coinbase started offering its in-house blockchain analytics services for sale to the IRS and DEA, which may have spooked that market. Um, Look, it, this article definitely focuses on the darknet um, aspect of things, but honestly, really and truly, um, mixing services are just on the rise for this exact reason. A lot of people, they don't trust the government. Articles we've talked about previously, like how Coinbase is, you know, selling their analytics stuff to the Secret Service, so that way they can start looking into these things and tracking them is definitely unsettling for some people who are more into this uh, idea of personal sovereignty. So these mixing services are only going to increase because it lets users kind of hide things, but it can also be interpreted as a tax dodge. So um, if you're considering using one of these, I can't tell you what to do. Just, you know, be very careful of how you do it. Um, and as always, 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 the IRS find you. That's on you, man. My advice, take the hit, follow the law, try to change the system from the inside. Anyways, let's hop over. Got to talk about the Matic network. They're saying it could speed up Ethereum to 7,200 transactions per second. It can currently do like 30, I think. I think I might be overestimating at that point. So they posted this in a blog. Manic Network has revealed the success of its counter-stake, Testnet, has been operating continuously for the past two months and, according to them, produced important results that could solve two of the problems on the Ethereum blockchain, network scalability and congestion. So they were able to process about 7,200 transactions per second in a stress test. This type of test is built to overload the network with an increasing number of transactions over a given period. In that sense, they stated... During rigorous stress testing, the Matic Network CS2008 testnet was able to reliably handle a performance level of 7,200 TPS. This level of performance can be reliably extrapolated to the Matic Network mainnet as the network employs the same architecture. They confirmed that 122 validators were a part of this testnet and they were able to activate and run validators with Sentry nodes. Therefore, it was completely decentralized. Very very nice and they're saying this is just the beginning so the ethereum network as you well know has experienced congestion problems and as a result the fees charged by the miners for validating these transactions has been increasing although the community organized to increase the size of blocks to 12.5 million the problem has persisted 
Data from ETH gas station shows that within the last thousand validated blocks, the price of gas continued to vary strongly. As a scalable second layer solution, the results of Mantic networks could be applied to improve the performance of the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, they're aiming to build a DApp developer ecosystem. It is an account-based sidechain with Plasma security guarantees that also employs an EVM, Ethereum virtual machine compatible runtime known as the Matic VM, which is which is make it relatively easy for Ethereum-based apps to migrate to the Matic network. And it's not the best grammar there, but hey, what do I know? So, however, this solution is one of many that aim to solve the problem. Uh, the option seems the most viable right now is the launch of ETH 2.0 phase zero. However, that update still not scheduled. So again, people are solving problems for Ethereum before Ethereum can get to them. Uh, just good for Matic. Good for this network. Way to show that you can increase your transactions to a $7,200 level or $7,200 TPS level. Very, very good. This only says good things about the future of cryptocurrency. It shows that we can hit these benchmarks. It can hit these high transaction levels that we need to become, you know, an everyday use case. It's great for that. It's perfect. Whether or not they apply this upgrade to Ethereum, I don't know, but it shows that they can. And that's pretty much the best part. So, um, new class of crypto assets. Pretty interesting. Outperform Bitcoin and Ethereum in the new bull run, says Luke Martin. So he's a trader and head of Venture Coinist, and he had this to say. And he's talking about, of course, DeFi. Mainstream attention is not yet on this thing. There are actually a lot of crypto investors who aren't in DeFi yet either. The reason being it's not attracting mainstream interest is they're not the easiest things to buy. They're not, and they're not the easiest things to set up. A lot of these coins are unknown. Even the concepts are hard to understand, and to acquire them is also difficult. Even people that want to get in, I think have been hesitating because they're waiting for a full blown alt season for Bitcoin to rip. So you have a really unique trend happening here in crypto. So yeah, I do agree. DeFi is definitely interesting and we're all waiting to see if it's a flash in the pan fad, gets regulated out of existence or turns into the next multi-billion dollar thing. Multi, multi, multi-billion dollar thing. So these altcoins have been far the best performers the past couple months. I think they're going to continue to be. You have things like Compound, which ripped to $1 billion market cap, Lend, which has done 100x by now, and Link, which has ripped to new all-time highs. These coins are flying every single day, regardless of what Bitcoin or ETH or the rest of the crypto market does. Right now, money is being allocated to these DeFi altcoins. It's been the best performing group, and I actually think it will continue to be the best performing group. Eh, good for him. I do tend to agree. Um, DeFi, despite us talking, you know, these the ICO things and abrogating fine and all this stuff, DeFi as a whole, I think, has a bright future. It's just going to remain to be seen how we get to that future and whether it's kind of like a punk quasi-rebel type of future where DeFi's like shadow banned in a lot of countries or if it ends up that the governments allow it to function and it turns into a much more uh, everyday thing that's very user-friendly and very widespread either way I don't think that money in it's going away but I'm just a guy and I don't feel confident enough to drop my own money on it because 
I got a kid on the way. And I don't know if you guys know this, but babies are expensive. So uh, this last little article is more just a thought piece. And I really, really found it to be interesting. And it talks about what it's like to live on Bitcoin in the Middle East. And it focuses on this Syrian developer, Gasmo. Uh, he's been living off freelance Bitcoin gigs from Kurdistan, Iraq for almost two years now. And you see, he's got a pretty decent setup, nice little desktop. Uh, can't tell if that's an Apple or not. Probably not. And a couple, and a couple laptops. So, um, you know, he talks about it. So he says, you know, I get paid Bitcoin for doing work on open source projects related to the cryptocurrency industry. Uh, the first programmer I met was Amir Takai. I learned a lot from him and he was supporting me. Uh, you know, it's impossible to say how many people are like Mo, inspired by a chance meeting with a Bitcoiner to embark on an educational journey towards financial sovereignty and freedom. Uh, they are increasingly familiar to people who work with digital nomads. They are showing Bitcoin can work as intended as a global currency without borders. So he left Syria in the early 20s, in his early 20s, because of the Civil War. Um, and became an unbanked migrant worker to support his family. It sounds a little bleak, but he's got a lot in common with other developers he now works with online. He's a pretty quiet guy, self-taught. He rarely leaves his back cave for uh, shopping and a few rare outings. He's never met most of the people he works with online, nor does he know of any local Bitcoin meetups. He spends his evenings reading about Rust and studying at home with books like Mastering Bitcoin. Um, so obviously the ongoing war and stability really affected him. You know, sometimes I spent months trying to finish an online course translating every single word from English. The people I know interested in this field of study could be counted on one hand. Wow. But hey, so Mo liquidates his Bitcoin through a local exchange to pay for daily expenses. A local grad student who founded the Curd Coin Exchange, Abdurin Bapir, has been operating a Hawala adjacent business for customers like Mo since 2017. Uh, so Hawala is a traditional money network used to send value across the Islamic world for the past hundreds of years, long before Bitcoin. So kind of like a, a bank type setup. And makes me think of um, Knights Templar in Europe. They had that type of thing going on in the 1100s and 1200s where someone in France could issue an official document stating, hey, we have this much money, you could travel to somewhere else and then redeem that voucher for money. So it's probably something similar to that. So Mo and users like him can message Curd Coin accounts on social media, including Telegram, Twitter, or Instagram. The exchange is supported by a staff of 10 people. Wow. So yeah, Abdurham Bapir, he's got a little bit of a thing going on. Clients can pay online with Bitcoin and pick up their cash at almost any local Hawala business from Syria to Kurdish Iran. Uh, Mo also uses Bitcoin to send money back to his family. Well, that's really good of him. So yeah, you know, borders are closed because of coronavirus and everything. And sometimes there are difficulties in transferring money and fees increased several times, but with Bitcoin that makes it a little bit easier, especially if the people on the other end have are Bitcoin capable as well. So Bapir also stated, there are many new customers. There are 10 to 20 new leads for our exchange every day. Some months we have a thousand prospective clients. Wow. Uh, and he's actually working with a team of lawyers and 10 advisors to establish a regulated way to conduct business in Kurdistan. Much like the American cannabis industry operates in a gray zone between state and federal laws, 
The Kurdish Bitcoin industry operates despite vague restrictions issued by the Central Bank of Iraq. In the meantime, established Hawala businesses handle the Know Your Customer process. So this is a nice little interesting peek in how you know some people are, are using Bitcoin to live their everyday lives around the world. It's pretty cool. Uh, honestly, I can't wait for the day that I can kind of do that a little bit easier here. Um, eventually be able to you know use my crypto to pay for everyday things um you know in the states i don't think we're quite at that point yet just because of the robustness of our financial systems but i'm very interested to see where this future is going to bring us i'm really excited it excited for it to happen but hey so that does it for the 10 trending articles of the day thanks for sticking around with me if you've made it this point you might as well subscribe i mean I do this every day, and it's probably going to be worth your time to check out. I appreciate all those who do. I know I've said that all already, and just as a reminder, all the links are down in the description, so don't just take my word for it. Go down there, click on some, read for yourself, do your own research. Alrighty, coin market cap today, pretty interesting. Bitcoin up 0.15%. Ethereum on the 24-hour mark, zero. No change. Interesting. So we'll see about that. Uh, XRP is down a little. Cash is down a little. Cardano is up about 4.5%. Yeah, good for them. Uh, it took the six spot back for Bitcoin SV, which is down by a quarter percent. Chainlink, once again, up 16%. $8.71. Dear Lord. <clears throat> it is on a tear. Litecoin. Oh, Chainlink went from 10 to 8. Dear Lord. Um, it's probably gonna, oh yeah, Chainlink is definitely gonna flip Bitcoin SV. It might even flip Cardano if it continues on this route. Good for them. Litecoin sitting at number nine, down a little bit. Binance coin down about a percent. And then crypto.com coins up a little bit. EOS is down. Eh, Tezos is up about 7%. Good for them. And then the round of top 20. Chain still down there at number 19. Huevo tokens got some stuff, so not not too shabby for some of these altcoins. Even though the big boys, Bitcoin and Ethereum, are pretty pretty flat and kind of meh, I'm hoping for an increase soon. We keep talking about this bull market, and I keep waiting for it to happen. But yeah, all right. So that does it for the day. Thanks for all those who participate. I enjoy interacting with you in the comments. You provide me with a much needed distraction. Um, yeah, so take care and I'll talk to you all tomorrow.